So today we're going to talk about berberine, okay? Berberine is the next turmeric, okay? It is actually incredible. It's been thoroughly studied. It's, uh, a lot of people know about it, but they don't know all the different things it can do. Uh, some hardcore research on a lot of things, especially the cardiovascular system. It's a very uh, powerful antiarrhythmic uh, natural compound. Now, berberine is a phytonutrient in certain plants, okay? So it's not necessarily a name of a plant. And because the mechanism of arrhythmias uh, involve calcium, berberine can decrease the intracellular calcium, which is one actual cause of the heart going out of rhythm because calcium is an electrolyte. If there's too much calcium in the cell, it becomes toxic and it affects the, uh, the electrical system of the heart. It can also decrease blood pressure. It can increase the performance of the actual heart muscle itself. It decreases the risk of heart attacks, protects against ischemia in heart muscle. This is a lack of oxygen. If there's some type of obstruction because there's a clogged artery that's causing a lack of blood flow to the heart muscle, this can help it. Also, it can alter potassium channels. Now, potassium is a mineral that protects excessive amounts of calcium going into the cell. And this is why certain arrhythmias are actually caused by low potassium. Because if you don't have enough potassium, you can't protect against the excess amount of calcium that builds up inside the cells. Berberine can help as an anticoagulant. So that can help reduce clotting. Number two, and this is a well-known benefit, can decrease infectious diarrhea. So if you have an infection that's causing diarrhea, I would start taking berberine. All right, number three, it can act as a natural antibiotic, okay, which actually explains number two. It's also an immune stimulant. It can help boost your immune system. Number five, anti-tumor, anti-cancer, big time. In fact, there's just a lot of studies going on uh, using this berberine on tumors and cancer, which you know you don't hear about unless you actually dig in to find this, this data. Number six, and this is actually a very important benefit, it has anti-diabetic properties. It can potently decrease your blood sugars. It can help with insulin resistance, making insulin and glucose more sensitive. So your blood sugars are going to be much better. There's been some reports that this will work just as good, if not better, than metformin. I realize I'm not making any claims. Check with your doctor before consuming this, but you may just want to read the research yourself. Berberine. Did you ever hear of it? Or know of the fact that it's apparently a, a gift of good health to the human body? Well, tonight, two of our top doctors, Paul Merrick and Mo Bean Shed, who is better known to all of us as Dr. Bean, are here and they are going to fill us in on what they've learned about mm, ways to treat ailments that have become a huge problem in modern life, metabolic syndrome, obesity, hypertension, and type 2 diabetes. And, you know, these lifestyle-related re issues can lead to deadly complications, but they don't have to. They don't have to. So welcome to the FLCCC Weekly Update. I'm Betsy Ashton. I'm the creative director of this alliance of medical professionals and their supporters. And um, 
I'm here we with along with our team of nurses who are already working behind the scenes that when you type a question into Q&A, they will answer it. I've also got someone else here, Steve Christensen, who is going to be monitoring those questions. And some of them I will come back uh, later and ask the doctors right on camera so that some of those questions will be asked right here, particularly the ones that a lot of you are asking. And in the meantime, let's just get our two doctors right on screen because they have a lot of information. And right off the top, Paul, what really is metabolic syndrome and why should we care about it? Okay, thank you, um, Betsy. So this is really an important disease, as we'll see. And um, we're going to talk about berberine. And I'm really excited about berberine. So, you know, you'll see that berberine is like ivermectin. It's truly a nature's gift to us. It's a truly astonishing molecule. So we're going to talk about metabolic syndrome which is really important because about 30% of Americans have it. Many don't even know they have it. So we're going to talk about metabolic syndrome, what it is and how to treat it. Obviously, we have no conflicts of interest. We're not selling anything and we're not selling any products. And just as a um, proviso, a caution, is that, that you know diabetes and the management of diabetes should always be under the supervision of healthcare provider, and you shouldn't be unilaterally changing your medications if you were diabetic without consulting your clinician, and you'll see why. So this is obesity. This is diabetes in red, the number of people in the world, and you can see the enormous uh, population, and here's the number of obese people. This is currently where we're sitting um, you can see that um, the number of obese people is like 400 billion and projected to increase to 700 billion. So obesity and um, type 2 diabetes is going to become one of the major medical problems that we are facing. And as you'll see, there's a strong correlation between obesity, particularly um, central abdominal obesity, uh, metabolic syndrome and diabetes. So what is metabolic syndrome? And it's really important because this is really common and people need to know what it is. So basically it's defined by a, uh, a number of features. So the first is a fat belly, a waistline over 40 inches in men and 35 in women. So if you walk towards the wall and your belly hits the wall before your face, you have a big belly. So hypertension, increased blood pressure, a fasting blood glucose. And we're going to come to this because we're going to talk about diabetes and the metabolic syndrome, which is raised blood glucose. So a fasting blood glucose over 100, a fasting triglyceride over 150, and an HDL cholesterol, which is low, less than 40 in men and 50 in women. So these five features make up the metabolic syndrome. And as I said, over 30% of American adults have the syndrome, which increases your risk of cardiovascular events, stroke, cancer, and early, early death. So how do you test for insulin resistance? So this becomes important when you go for your um, 
uh, annual checkup and you need to speak uh, with your um, your physician. So the the first one is, as we said, a fasting blood glucose. So that's um, after an eight-hour fast, if you have increased blood glucose, so normal blood glucose is between 70 and 100. If it's over 126 on two occasions, you are diabetic. The next, which is really an important test, is hemoglobin A1c. Um, and this, this test um, it, it is a readily available test, and you can even get it do it at home. And this basically gives you an indication of your average blood glucose level as to over the last two or three months. So it kind of gives you the average. So the normal hemoglobin A1c is between 4 and 5.6. If you, it's between 5.7 and 6.4, it's indicative of prediabetes. If it's over 6.5, you have diabetes. So you can see diabetes is increased blood glucose, increased hemoglobin A1c. And as you'll see with the metabolic syndrome and insulin resistance, you get a high triglyceride, a high triglyceride of greater than 150 uh, is, is, is an important um, predictor of insulin resistance. And then People are obsessed by the total cholesterol, but actually the total cholesterol actually is not important in terms of predictor of cardiac events. The most important predictor is the ratio of triglyceride to HDL. So a high triglyceride is bad, a low HDL is bad. So you don't want a ratio of more than two to one. So it's really important that people most people should undergo these screening tests to see if they have prediabetes, ins, um, insulin resistance, metabolic syndrome, or diabetes. So we're going to talk about how to treat the metabolic syndrome, how to treat prediabetes and diabetes. And so we're going to come back to intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating. This is the only physiological way to eat. And the normal way we eat causes profound insulin resistance. And this should be combined with a low carbohydrate or ketogenic diet. We're going to talk about berberine, which is truly an astonishing molecule. And this is the dose between 1,000 and 1,500 milligrams a day, taken uh, two or three times. Metformin has been used, as we'll see, for the last 60 years for the treatment of type 2 diabetes is considered the drug of first choice. Metformin and berberine actually are being investigated as anti-aging drugs to prolong lifespan, not uh, to prolong health span, to allow people to live healthier, longer lives. Melatonin. Melatonin actually is really important. It's been shown to uh, improve insulin resistance on its own. Magnesium is important. Uh, for the release of insulin and insulin action, resveratrol. Cinnamon actually acts very similar to berberine, has many of the similar uh, mechanism of action. And many times berberine is actually combined with cinnamon. But as we'll see, berberine is significantly more effective in terms of uh, blood glucose control. In fact, after intermittent fasting, berberine is probably the single most important intervention to control blood glucose, hemoglobin A1c, and insulin resistance. Omega-3 fatty acids are important because it's been shown that supplementation with omega-3 fatty acids 
significantly reduces the risk of dying of cardiac events, having an MI and cardiovascular complications. Uh, probiotics with bifidobacterium always, you know, reduce stress and anxiety and um, light form of exercise. So we need to talk about what not to eat. So most Americans' diet is made up of these things. So these are high carbohydrate processed foods, which cause a high blood glucose. They all have a high glycemic index. Um, they cause a fatty liver. They cause, it's, this is basically the cause of insulin resistance, prediabetes and diabetes. This, what you're seeing on the screen, donuts, bagels and bread, cookies and muffins, fries, juices, fruit juices, potatoes, rice and pasta, chips. So these are things you do not want to eat that will cause high blood glucose, sustained hyperglycemia. The glucose then gets converted to fat in the liver, causes a fatty liver. And the fatty liver is probably the underlying central mechanism which causes insulin resistance. So if you, this is what you're doing, you want to stop. You want to stop doing this because this is by sure the best way to shorten your lifespan and you're going to get all kinds of complications. However, this is what you want to eat. Your vegetables, particularly coniferous vegetables, leafy vegetables, avocado is really so good. You want to eat fish, particularly salmon. Meat is fine. You want to eat nuts, chicken breast. You want to eat eggs. Eggs is fine. There's nothing wrong with eggs. Eggs is perfectly fine. It's probably one of the, the, the most important nutrients in this whole cholesterol egg thing is a complete and utter hoax. So there's nothing wrong with eggs. Grapefruit and berries actually are very good fruits because they have a low glycemic index. So these are the things you want to eat. And this is together with intermittent fasting. This is how you can control your blood glucose, control your obesity, control your triglyceride, and prevent this whole metabolic syndrome. So we're going to talk a little bit about berberine, which I discovered recently. And I must tell you, berberine and ivermectin fall into the same category. They're most astonishing drugs. They have multiple modes of action, and they gift to us from nature. So this, this is not made in a by a pharmaceutical company, and you can't patent it. So that's why nobody is interested in this remarkable, astonishing Chinese herb, which has been used for thousands of years. Because, so you, because you can't patent it and sell it, no one's interested. You agree, Dr. Mabin? Absolutely. And I have a question for you. So uh, how did you find Burberry? <laughs> it's a long story, actually. <laughs> And I tell you the truth, my sister asked me, hey, because my sister has uh, insulin resistance and she has a high triglyceride and she was doing research and she said, have you heard about berberine? I said, berber what? Berber what? So I started reading up about berberine and oh my goodness, it, it's, it's an astonishing thing. Um, it's a gift to nature. So berberine actually regulates blood glucose as we'll see. Um, by many mechanisms, it lowers blood glucose, it alters lipid metabolism, it increases insulin release from the pancreas, it decreases, it increases fatty acid oxidation in the liver, so it decreases fatty liver. 
So you can see that this drug attacks all the aspects of the metabolic syndrome, glucose control, lipid control. It completely reverses metabolic syndrome. In addition, as Dr. Berg said, it has really some other potent, it's potent anti-inflammatory, it has antiviral effects. It actually enhances the effects of exercise. So if you exercise, it potentiates exercise, unlike metformin, it modulates the microbiota. So this is truly an astonishing compound and it's found in many plants, in roots and leaves, and it's it's a natural it's a natural herb. So this is Dr. Bean's famous graphic, and we may come back to it. But basically, it's very complicated. But to make it simple, you can see he's labeled it one, two, three, four, five. And basically, this is the insulin and insulin receptor, and this is the glucose transporter. So basically. Berberine acts via multiple, multiple mechanisms by increasing glycolysis, decreasing gluconeogenesis. Gluconeogenesis is the liver making glucose. And clearly, if you already have high blood glucose, you don't want to make more. As we said, it decreases lipid production in the liver, decreases lipogenesis. And most astonishingly, it acts on the pancreas, the beta cell of the pancreas, to cause insulin release only when the glucose is high, which is very smart because you don't want it to cause insulin release with a low glucose. So it's really important. Berberine doesn't cause hypoglycemia because it only increases insulin release when glucose is high. And I, I love this one aspect of it, that you can actually take berberine with this safety that if your glucose is low, it is not going to further lower it. Yes, it's right. very important. That's why it's such a safe compound. So, um, and it alters, you can see it affects the liver. So, you know, the the liver is the cause of type 2 diabetes, whereas the pancreas is the cause of type 1. Type 2 diabetes is really a disease of fatty liver. And so it centrally acts on the liver. It's a truly astonishing uh, molecule. So we should talk about metformin because it is being used for the last 60 years. It's, it's considered the first line treatment for type 2 diabetes. It has many actions similar to berberine, decreases hepatic gluconeogenesis, i.e. the liver making glucose, decreases absorption, it lowers insulin, increases insulin sensitivity. And much like berberine, it, it's anti anti-aging, anti-tumor, cardiovascular, using polycystic. So it has many, the, the benefits of metformin and berberine are very similar. But if you actually compare them head to head, berberine actually may be a little bit more effective in its effect on hemoglobin A1c. What is interesting, Dr. Bean and I discovered today, is that actually if you're an exerciser, you do a lot of aerobic exercise, metformin may actually reduce the benefits of aerobic exercise, whereas berberine actually augments it. So if you are an athlete doing aerobic exercise, you want to take berberine rather than metformin. And that was an astonishing discovery and such an important one as well, because we all should be exercising. And then if somebody is taking metformin and exercising, their exercises benefits reduce. On the other hand, with berberine, these benefits augment. That's a huge difference. Yep. 
And then, so I suppose we normally talk about cinnamon. I really wasn't that interested in cinnamon, but Christina and Dr. Veron were absolutely insistent we look at cinnamon. So actually, it's also, again, another Chinese herb used for thousands of years. It's used for the treatment of fever, common cold inflammation, and it has a whole host of activities. Many of these herbs are truly astonishing, antiviral, anti-cancer, anti inflammatory, anti-diabetes, antioxidant, cardioprotective. It lowers glucose. So much like um, berberine, it does lower blood glucose, but it doesn't seem to be as effective. It's not as potent as berberine, but what actually it may have a role when, when it's used in combination with berberine. So there are sub, some supplements that actually combine cinnamon and berberine. So thanks, uh, Christina. So I will just give you what happened to me. So as we said, you know, you want a fasting blood glucose less than 100. This is my profile yesterday on after being on berberine for a week, a week of berberine. So I used to run blood glucoses 110, 120. You can see what's now happened. This is my profile over the whole day. It com stays completely flat. It's a flat blood glucose profile. This, this, this is, is astonishing. Yeah, so don't forget I was a diabetic. I was having glucoses up here, and with each meal they would spike up to 200. Look, 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 look it's a truly astonishing thing. It's and did you have a meal during this time? I had, yes, I had two meals. Here we go. Really? Completely flat. No, this is flat. No peak. It's a little bit high here because actually I was really annoyed. I had an argument with a friend. So stress <laughs> causes glucose to go up a little bit. So you can see it was a little bit high, but still it's in the normal range. So uh, it's truly astonishing what berberine has done to my blood glucose profile. I think this drug is magic. Magic. And I wanted to ask a question then. Uh, during your time, so is it one week or two weeks? I've been on it for about 10 days. Any side effects? No, absolutely none. So we'll come to the side effects. So berberine in some people can cause flatulence or diarrhea, but it actually goes away with time. And those are the side effects. So, I mean, it's truly astonishing if you consider the toxicity. I mean, people can die from an aspirin. People can die from a Tylenol. This drug, or the only recorded side effects are in some people a bit of flatulence that's like farting, making, you know, lots of GI air or, or some diarrhea, but it's very self-limiting. So I had no problems taking berberine. And you so know that you uh, I'm so sorry for, for interrupting. I'm just so excited about it. Your glucose levels are better than my glucose levels. And I'm not diabetic. Yeah. So isn't that amazing? Could look at this. This is my my blood glucose. It runs in the 80s. And this is, I used to be a diabetic. I uh, had a high hemoglobin A1C. I was on two or three uh, diabetic medications. And so I, I was kind of cured with intermittent fasting and the other stuff, but berberine has just blown it out of the out of the ballpark. It's truly astonishing. Um it's an amazing thing. So we will talk about it a little bit more. Um, what I do want to tell folks about is I'm really excited to, to announce, or so people know we have our next conference. Dr. Bean will be there. Dr. Bean will be talking about some metabolic stuff. I'll be talking about intermittent fasting. So, you know, we, we, we want to remind you about our 
conference April 28-29 in Fort Worth, Texas. It's going to be um, fantastic like, like our previous conference. So excited to my, be there. Yeah, that was my little introduction to berberine, which, um, you know, Dr. Bean did a really good um, Dr. Bean show. We went through all the... Um, went through all the mechanism of action of berberine. I mean, it's truly astonishing. You know, we like ivermectin because ivermectin is this pleiotropic drug that has so many different modes of action. And in terms of viral, has lots of antiviral. Um, um, berberine's the same. It's a truly astonishing drug because it's, you know, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, anti-cancer, anti-aging, but most importantly, it basically treats the metabolic syndrome. So the likelihood is, you know, one in three or one in four people watching tonight have the metabolic syndrome, and you don't won't know about it until you test it for it. The only outward sign is if you have a big fat belly, because if you have a big fat belly, it means you have lots of abdominal fat. If you have abdominal fat, you have fat in your liver. If you have fat in your liver, you have metabolic syndrome. So you know the only obvious sign is is if you have a big fat belly. But people need to be tested for it because it increases your risk of cardiovascular events, stroke, cancer. Insulin resistance causes cancer because of you know hyperinsulinemia. Um, it causes premature aging. It causes Alzheimer's disease. So right. you know if you can control metabolic syndrome, you can basically live a long, happy life. And, and if uh, I can, my apologies. Please no, complete your thought. Yeah. And I wanted to add one more thing that the insulin resistance and the cancers. So what happens is, I mean, one of the mechanisms is that as the insulin resistance develops, even immune systems, cells do not get enough energy. They do not make enough ATP. They do not have correct glucose metabolism. The result is that immune system cells are not working correctly. So they cannot actually handle infections and cancers. Yeah, so, you know, Part of metabolic syndrome, I mean, by definition, is actually insulin resistance. Is that so? What happens is that normally insulin drives glucose into the cell. What happens with insulin resistance is the insulin it becomes less effective. So in order to compensate, the pancreas makes more and more insulin to try and compensate. What eventually happens is you have a hyperinsulin state. You're hyperinsulinemic and you're insulin resistant. It's really the high insulin, which is together with the fatty liver, which drives all the complications. It causes heart disease and atherosclerosis. So it's, you know, people think it's high cholesterol. That's complete nonsense. It's not high cholesterol. It's the high insulin and the inflammation, which goes together with, with the high insulin. So the high insulin is what's driving, you know, coronary disease. It's what's driving um, uh, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, high cholesterol, Alzheimer's disease, and cancer. So that's why, I mean, it's really important to manage it. It's really Absolutely. insulin resistance is a disease of modern lifestyle. It's Absolutely. from because of the way people eat and the way they their lifestyle. So I have a couple of questions. I saw those scrolling by over here. So of course the uh, team would ask the questions, but I thought these two were very interesting. One was, do you think that fatty liver in general can also be helped by berberine? 
And the second question was, do you think that type one diabetes can be helped by berberine? What do you think? Yeah, so those are both really good questions. So most patients with fatty liver have fatty liver because of uh, diabetes, pre-diabetes. But obviously, you can also get fatty liver from alcoholic liver disease. So alcoholics, before they get cirrhosis, have a fatty liver. So, you know, it's called non-alcoholic steatohepatosis is the other fatty liver. So, yes, you know, berberine decreases, increases um, fatty oxidation. It decreases lipogenesis. So it will definitely help. Um, in fact, it's one of the treatments for fatty liver. Surprisingly, the other treatment for fatty liver is ivermectin. So ivermectin actually has a really important role in the treatment of fatty liver. So many people have this complete bogus idea that ivermectin is toxic to the liver. You know, this is the FDA's disinformation. In fact, it's used to treat fatty liver. The question of type 1 diabetes is really important. And so what we're talking today is type 2 diabetes. So in type 2 diabetes, you, you have high insulin levels because you have insulin resistance and the insulin is not working. The problem with type 1 diabetes is the pancreas gets damaged and the pancreas is actually not making insulin. So it's a very different story. So that intermittent fasting can be quite dangerous in, um, in patients with type 1 diabetes. The question is, would berberine work in a type 1 diabetic? And so it's a good question. I would say yes. I think it would have some beneficial effects. It may increase pancreatic secretion. It obviously does have really important effects on lipid metabolism, which is abnormal in, di in diabetics. And it may uh, improve uh, uh, glucose receptor function. So we know one of the effects of um, berberine is not only does it cause insulin release, but it actually increases expression of the insulin receptor Absolutely. So that makes so that makes insulin more effective. So Absolutely. what that means is that a type one diabetic who needs insulin actually may need a lower dose because the insulin now becomes more effective. Correct. So you know, there's not there, there aren't really good studies that I know of. Maybe you you do on type one diabetes, but I would say it certainly can't be harm. Can't, I don't see any harm, and it likely is of benefit. What what do you think? Absolutely, and I uh, maybe I can just use my diagram. It's time to have the superpowers of Doctor Bean. So just one quick second. <laughs> so if we go here for a second to this diagram, this is what you were just talking about. For type 1 or 2, one important aspect of the berberine is that it increases the insulin receptors. And imagine that this is an insulin receptor and there are many of them. That means even, so imagine if there were all of these insulin molecules and there is just one receptor, then there is a specific amount of reaction. But if there are too many receptors, then there would be a lot more reaction. So that would really help type 1 or type 2. And secondly, uh, Pauline, uh, I think that when the pancreas in type 1 becomes uh, 
dependent on insulin, meaning our body becomes de- dependent because pencil- uh, pancreas is not able to release a lot of insulin. Maybe at that time, berberine can help a little bit, but it would not be able to compensate for the lack of insulin that is happening. So that means external insulin would still be needed. Yes. So, you know, while berberine may actually, as I've, you know, a good example, it has really together with a, a diet and metformin has cured my diabetes. You know, type one is really a, is not a, that we know of a curable disease, but you can control it so that your insulin requirements may become less. So, um, so certainly, you know, I, I think that it would cause better control of, of a type one diabetic. Absolutely. And if you give me a, Another one second with my diagram. I want to show you some something else as well. So this is a point that you made. And I really appreciated yesterday or day before when you and I were speaking. And you made this statement that type 1 is the disease of the pancreas and type 2 is the disease of the liver. So again, that doesn't mean that it is the liver that is itself just generally sick and that is the diabetes, but liver is a main contributory factor. And what I was astonished with when I was drawing these all the mechanism of berberine in one place, that berberine has a very interesting hepato- a curative or liver healing effect. So if you see here, what happens is in the liver, for example, when insulin comes in, that causes this AKT to become active. Eventually, this enzyme here called SREBP1 and 2, but here we're using just SREBP1 because berberine works, works on it. This enzyme causes another enzyme called fatty acid synthase that helps make fatty acids. It increases that enzyme eventually leading to lots of lipids and fatty acids being formed in the liver, which then starts accumulating in the liver and liver's own function start becoming disrupted. And now we have a fatty liver and we have a problem. Look at this, how berberine behaves. Berberine causes SREBP1C to be downregulated, to be suppressed, resulting in less lipid production. And when the less lipid production is happening, the hepatic steatosis reduces fatty acid synthesis, reduces fatty liver starts reducing, liver starts improving. So it's not just that, all right, we have less fats in the liver, so all good, liver is healthy. Actually, when liver is healthy, liver is performing better. So when the liver cells become better, they start controlling blood sugar better and the hyperglycemia starts reducing. So this, I feel, is a long-term effect of berberine, that it starts improving the liver, which would keep the glucose at a lower level, control hyperglycemia, and that's a long-term outcome. I really am astonished by this mechanism. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at type 1 diabetics, and that's not the focus, but berberine has any inflammatory, antioxidant, and immune modulating properties. So, in that respect, it actually may help because we know that, um, you know, type 1 diabetes is due to autoimmune disease of the beta cells of the pancreas with destruction. Unfortunately, once it manifests, manifests, many of the cells have already been damaged, but it may. I mean, it is possible. It, it may improve pancreatic function. 
And I think that if the beta cells have not be, become too much destroyed yet, I think it would definitely improve it. So if somebody has not yet become insulin dependent, I think, and there are no studies, this is me conjecturing, I think it would delay the production, the conversion to type 1 because it would improve the sensitivity, it, it would improve the glucose uptakes, and it would improve the insulin secretion. Yeah. Gentlemen, this, can I come in here with a few questions? We've got a lot of interested people watching, and I have to tell you, I'm one of them. You know, my father died at the age of 53 of complications of diabetes. And uh, it was one of those things that this is a man, this is lifestyle, I'm sure. Um, he thought that life began with eating a whole batch of sticky buns first thing in the morning. And that's kind of the way his day went on. This was not a good diet. And I don't think he ever ate a good diet. And I don't think anybody could ever tell him anything about it. But I'm well aware of the fact that diabetes is a very serious thing with very nasty complications. And I have another friend who died within the last two or three years of fatty liver. And so you're talking to somebody who's, you know, I think everybody out there watching knows somebody either in the family or a close friend in the community who is suffering from this stuff. And we have some. Yeah. So you know, let, me, let me tell you something. So big pharma and medical establishment want to tell you that diabetes is a progressive disease. It's going to get worse, that you're going to get complications, you're going to die, and that it's not a curable disease. And all, all you can do is take expensive medications to control your blood sugar. Obviously, that's one big lie, because that's not true. They want you to use medications. They don't want you to know it's a completely treatable and reversible disease completely reversible. I think you saw my blood glucose profile. Yep. And that was after being a diabetic for 25 years. Impressive. It's astonishing. Incredible. It's astonishing. So I, basically you can reverse. It's a reversible disease. You do not need to take drugs forever. And obviously it's important. You know, I still enjoy eating. I still enjoy eating, but I eat healthier food. And you know what? You actually enjoy it much better. Um, you enjoy it much better. And you know what? The terrible, I used to be a food addict because hyperinsulinemia causes you to become, it, it, it activates your hunger and it, you develop this vicious cycle where you have high glucose, which stimulates your appetite, causes more insulin, which further stimulates your appetite. So once you break the cycle, you don't have these terrible cravings for food. And I want to add one more point to this. Sorry, Betsy, just a quick <laughs> note on this one. When uh, we use the allopathic process of taking medicines and trying to control diabetes, and it is still not controlled because we're eating whatever we, we are, it becomes actually progressive because of the management style of it. And patient eventually starts getting the cardiovascular issues and the renal issues and so on. On the other hand, if we look at what Paul just said, it is a reversible situation. So if we control the hyperglycemia and the insulin, hyperinsulinemia, then the damage to the organs is controlled as well. And that damage to organ is the most important thing for the outcomes. I was going to say, 
I saw Paul Merrick enjoy a beautiful steak, a beautiful steak dinner at our last conference. And so I know he enjoys food, had a really good time. It was perfectly legal on what you were allowed to have with your with your program. Well, let's just know. We have a question from Tracy who wants to know, is there anyone who should not take berberine? Yeah, so I think if you if you can swallow, if you ha- if you have a functional GI tract, then you can swallow. I can't think of a single reason why you shouldn't take berberine. If you Absolutely. have, if you have any any of the features of the metabolic syndrome, any of them, um, I there's no reason not to take berberine. Would you agree, Doctor Mobin? I completely agree, and not only this that. I actually compare it to those drugs, allopathic drugs, that may be uh, contraindicated in some GIT issues. It seems like berberine's worst case could be some side effects, as as you said, flatulence and others, and even that becomes settled. So I think it's a very safe and a good drug to have, even to combine with allopathic. So you're taking anything allopathic, Dr. Marek? So you know what I used to, I was taking metformin, not for glucose control, but you know, metformin, as we saw, it has anti-aging, anti-cancer. It's very good for anti-cancer. But what I've had to do is cut down on my dose because my glucose levels were running a little bit (laughs) low, as you saw. So I take about, I take 500 milligrams a day of metformin, not for glucose control, but, you know, as part of a, this, you know, multiple approach to uh, prevent aging, prevent Alzheimer's, um, uh, and to prevent cancer. There's really good data about metformin preventing cancer. So, you know, I, I take a little bit of metformin. So, so I think that is the answer, Betsy, that there really is, other than looking at the side effects and effect of changing the dose, there really is no contraindication. Rebecca wants to know, is berberine safe to take if you're pregnant? Yeah, so you know what? I knew someone would ask that. And the problem, uh, you know, there's always a problem in pregnancy. And most most people would say there's not enough data just because you just don't know. So I'm not aware of any studies of berberine in pregnancy. And so it is a good question. Um, I would say, you know, there's no safety data. I would imagine that it would be safe, but just, you know, I would, I would be cautious. I probably wouldn't take it during pregnancy. What would you say, Dr. Mo? Uh, I totally agree. And the reason is pregnancy is of course a few months. So it is not that this is a long, long, long term effect. So having, even if you're going to have some medicines, maybe during the pregnancy, do not take berberine because the safety data and the studies are not available. And then once you're done with the pregnancy, you can resume it. Okay. Now, Robin says, is it true that in taking berberine, you need to stop taking it for a period of time after taking it for a few months? Hmm. I have not heard of pulsations. So sometimes there are uh, drugs that cause our body to become used to them and we have to just continue to change their doses or stop and start them. I have not heard of that about berberine. Have you? No, the only thing that you may want to do is, you know, as you lose weight, as your um, insulin resistance improves, you you may actually need to cut down on the dose. 
So that's why I think, you know, for diabetics, type 2 diabetics, they need to monitor their blood glucose because that gives you the best guide in terms of dosing. So um, that's the only thing I would say is that, you know, if you've lost a lot of weight uh, and your glucose is normalized, you may be able to cut down a little bit on the dose. Yeah, that makes sense. Going back to their questions of fatty liver disease and all of that, here's a serious question from Kathleen. Is berberine safe to use with stage four liver disease? Well compensated, she says. I don't know what well compensated means there, do you, but I presume you yeah. do. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, as far as I know, yes, I can't, we're not aware of any contraindications. So, you know, I think it should be fine in patients with stable liver disease. Yeah. And if it is correct, if it is stable, well compensated, then generally berberine is liver helping drug. It improves the cardiohepatocytes health. It reduces the fatty acids. It reduces lipids. It reduces gluconeogenesis. So generally it should be a protective drug, but still uh, in your specific case, please make sure that you talk with the doctor. Then when you take it, you make sure you keep looking at your liver functions and then adjust if necessary. Yeah. And I would probably start off in a lower dose and then increase it as tolerated. See how you do. Now here's somebody on the other end of the scale. John says, I don't have diabetes and I'm not overweight. Would you recommend I take berberine as a preventive medicine? <laughs> so that's a good question. So, you know, what I would do is many people who have metabolic syndrome don't know they have it. So, you know, if he has any feature of the metabolic syndrome, which may be a high triglyceride level, a low HDL, which he may have a slightly increased blood pressure, um, then yes, you know, I would take low dose of berberine. You know, if you're completely healthy, uh, I'm not sure if there are any such people who are completely healthy. Uh, <laughs> then maybe not just go out in the jungle and uh, swing on the branches. But I think if you have any any hint of metabolic syndrome, um, so that could be slightly increased fasting triglyceride, hemoglobin A1C, which is a little bit up, a low uh, HDL. It may be worthwhile taking it. You, you probably need a, need a lower dose. Um, what we and obviously if you have maybe a family history of type 2 diabetes it may be worthwhile what, what do you how would you answer that dr mo i, I totally I agree do with i'm you. listening <laughs> yeah yeah so i agree with you that uh, i was actually i'm not diabetic yet so i have asked my wife to order berberine so that i can start a low dose i am sure that this would be protective because it's going to keep my insulin receptors in check, enough number insulin resistance in check, fatty liver in check. So I might have, let's say I'm on the road to developing diabetes in another two, three years. This would definitely delay and control. So if you are healthy, then a low dose of berberine as part of your daily supplements can actually be very useful. The other is it actually may have anti-aging effects. So there's a lot of this looking now at, so the idea is to prolong health span. People want to live longer but healthy lives rather than a longer life full of disease. And so there are a number of studies looking at prolonging 
health span. So these are healthy people who are not diabetic who take metformin or take berberine uh, because in addition to its effect on, you know, the metabolic control, it's antioxidant and it's anti-inflammatory and it's anti-cancer. So they and it, it reverses aging. So it may be a really cool way of, um, you know, maintaining long-term health. So somebody, yes, I think somebody that, has had to market this stuff in some oh, kind of pill that they call what the anti-aging elixir of life or the fountain of a, come on that, that how could they have missed this opportunity? That's not think, what we do, but you know, this is going to happen. Yeah. You see, Betsy, you, you raise a good point. You can't, you can't patent it. So oh. nobody's, nobody's interested in, in this remarkable compound, it's like ivermectin. You can't make money from it, so nobody's interested in it. And that's why it's such an astonishing molecule. It's been around for 3,000 years. You know, maybe someone, you know, 3,000 years ago tried to patent it and it didn't work. But but truly, I think metformin is probably even better than metformin and better than ivermectin. It's in that category. So it may be really important in, in prolonging health span. Okay, Betty Amy. wants to know. She says, I have low blood pressure. Um, will berberine further lower it? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I would take a low dose and see what happens. Um, you know, I think the, the antihypertensive effect is really because it controls insulin resistance rather than, you know, affecting vascular tone. But um, I, I would, you know, I would take it and see what happens. Well, on the same um, note, Barbara says she's, if one is on a blood thinner, will berberine also thin the blood or cause a complication? There's variation on the theme there. Yeah, it should be fine. I see we have our Dr. Iglesias. He's our FLCCC warrior. He has a question. Oh, well, we have to have him on. There he is hiding. I can Hello. only see a little bit in the Can you hear me? Dark. Yeah, we hear you. So two things. Metformin is very interesting as it affects the liver. And there's a lot of data that suggests it's antifibrogenic. So are there any properties that berberine has that same quality? And the second question is, is there any drug-drug interactions with the drugs that I give my patients, you know, uh, that, you know, are metabolized by the cytochrome P450 system? Yeah, you know, you asked a good question. So we've done quite a bit of reading. I'm not aware of any drug-drug interactions, but, you know, obviously it's a good question. And so we're going to get Christina, one of the nurses, to help us look. Um, I, I, I'm not sure. It, it is a good question. Yeah, I didn't come across any drug-drug interactions, and that doesn't mean there are none. It's just that I we're not aware of those. We'll have to research. Good question. We have a question actually for Jose about renal failure uh, regarding metformin and berberine. Um, so metformin, when it first came out, had a lot of restrictions for people that uh, had moderately decreased renal function, GFRs around 50, because of a complication called lactic acidosis. That has been relaxed to now you can use it in people with some moderate renal impairment as long as they're stable, um, usually with GFRs under 40, but not, I think, under 30 
you don't start it when it's under 30, but you can keep them on it and watch it. The more progressive renal failure occurs, you have to cut, you have to stop the medicine because the potential deadly side effect of lactic acidosis. But that generally really occurs in very, very ill people with a lot of comorbidities like heart failure and um, other, other issues with them. In terms of its overall safety, I think it's a very, very safe drug and very valuable in other aspects like Paul mentioned. So we, we use it. Um, and I don't think berberine has that same problem. That's just a side effect of the, the compounds uh, that metformin you know, metformin belongs to. You know, I don't think everybody watching really appreciates and knows about your credentials and what you do and the fact that you are really an expert in renal and kidney. Uh, why don't you tell people what you do as much as you can? Well, I sit in my backyard and eat sticky buns and smoke cigars on my time off. But <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm a nephrologist. You know, I was educated by Paul. Paul, I know everything I know, I learned from Paul. So I take care of transplant patients and uh, patients with kidney disease. And uh, that's pretty much what I do every day. I love it. It's who I am. And yeah, so Betsy, you may not know this. He's one of the smartest doctors on the planet. So there's a textbook, which used to be called Harrison's Textbook of Medicine. He could yes. recite the textbook backwards and forwards. He was that smart. Um, so he was indeed my fellow. He was the smartest fellow I've ever had. And so he, he, he he's double boarded in kidney and in critical care. So he's a smart guy. Wow. But he one day I want to sit it. I'll be sitting, you know, my, my, my grandchildren would, will bring me my, my bottle of, you know, uh, Jameson's and I'll be watching a documentary about the wonderful work you've done, Paul. <laughs> uh, on that, you know, about this whole catastrophe that we've lived through and that you were one of the voices, you guys were one of the voices of sanity. Well, and we're so recording this. I'm waiting for if that nothing Netflix. else, we're recording something. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, the, Christina asked something, not the drugs, reduced kidney filtration and berberine. Yeah, so my understanding is metabolized in the liver, mainly through first-pass metabolism. So I don't think that I'm not aware of any renal limitations in the use of berberine. Me neither. So first is the uh, first uh, boundary for its absorption is the GIT itself. And the second important step is the first-pass metabolism in the liver. So that is how it is primarily taken care of. Now, we have another, Christine, who wants to know, what is the effective dose of berberine? Yeah, so that's a good question. It's, it has a reasonably short half-life. So it's suggested you take it two or three times a day. And the dose is, you know, between, you know, 500 milligrams twice a day or 500 three times a day. There's another company that makes a 600 milligram tablet, which is what I take. So I take 600 twice a day. So the dose is between, you know, a gram and 1500 milligrams a day. And I think uh, it is uh, interesting to repeat that from the studies that we have seen so far, it does not cause hypoglycemia. So it doesn't have to be combined with the food. You really have to look at the side effects 
and based on that you can adjust the dose and times this is very interesting stuff i'm just looking through i thought i had one very clever question back here by someone who um yes i do and i'm just trying to find it and my eyes are not great ah here we go robin who clearly is into you know good food and doing proper things asks is berberine compatible with red yeast rice aged garlic and other over-the-counter supplements recommended for cardiovascular health or are there any notable contraindications? Yeah. So, you know, it's combined often with other supplements and it seems to be completely safe. So that, I think what's, what makes this so appealing, much like ivermectin, it really is devoid of side effects. The, the side effects that we know of are maybe a little bit of nausea, some, you know, abdominal discomfort, maybe some flatulence, but that is really self-limiting. And so it is astonishing, much like ivermectin, it's, it's very safe. It's very safe. Um, so it's highly effective. It treats all of these conditions and it's safe. So, I mean, it's a miracle actually. And it's, it's produced, it's nature gave us this gift, which, you know, which is interesting um, that nature's given us all the, answers to the questions we have you know it's interesting as as i get older and and as i learn listening to all of you and as i listen to a lot of other people who are in their 70s and 80s and 90s and living well i find that a lot of them have been taking supplements for a long time and watching their weight and, you know, doing exercise. And all of a sudden you realize that there is a way of creating health. And a lot of it has to do with the old fashioned stuff, like being a good farmer and eating healthy food off the land, land that wasn't corrupted, right? With all kinds of whatever put in it. And not necessarily having to take a lot of medicine because you're getting the exercise and you're eating the good vitamins through your food or maybe taking some supplements. These are the people I'm seeing living to a healthy old age and I'm doing my best to follow them. Um, I, and I'm getting good sun as well, Betsy, when they were working <laughs> outside, right? Well, you're in California. I'm not there. New Jersey is at the moment not quite that sunny, but anyway, I'm trying it, trying it my best. Yeah, Betsy. I mean, what you say is is so true. You know, we evolved as hunters and gatherers. We didn't evolve, you know, over you know a million years ago. We didn't when we evolved, you know, and we lived in a cave. There wasn't a Seven Eleven or a supermarket up the road, so. <laughs> You know, we we were hunters and gatherers. We didn't snack all the time. We didn't eat processed foods. We sat around a campfire, which is really important for infrared. We were in the sun. So we've evolved in, you know, that was how we've evolved. And we've adopted a terrible lifestyle in terms of we, we eat, we don't eat real food. We eat processed foods. Um, we eat junk foods. We yeah. eat processed you know, vegetable oils. So these terrible vegetable oils, which we never spoke about, which cause fatty liver and metabolic dysfunction and cancer. These processed oils, which people, so 
the, but the not U- olive oil. Olive oil. Olive oil, is good. Olive, good. So olive oil is good at coconut oil, but we're talking about these other, you know, corn oil and soy oil. The, these are actually increase your risk of getting cancer. And saturated fat is fine. It's this complete myth we have. And because we, we you know, we, we, we didn't evolve to eat these foreign processed vegetable oils. We ate, you know, butter and we ate you know, meat and vegetables and and real food. So it's really a matter of real food. Avocados are really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, leafy vegetables are good. And, you know, eggs are good. There's this complete myth about eggs. Eggs is a really important source of protein and general, you know, minerals and, and, and vitamins. So it's really getting back to the basics, you know, eating a healthy diet, getting some exercise, getting into the sun. And it's not that complicated. And so it's not that complicated. Wonderful. You guys are terrific. Thank you. Everybody, listen to them and we will will be well. We will do better than we've been doing. I have a few announcements that I need to So just before you do, Betsy, I just just to let folks know that this um, protocol of ours, the, you know, I treat diabetes, which is really the protocol we discussed today, which is the, you know, the management of metabolic syndrome and prediabetes and diabetes, you know, within a week or two, we'll have it available on the website for people to, to review it. And I think it's an important departure from COVID. You know, we're a little bit COVID fatigued, but basically, you know, I think we've come to realize that the pharma industrial complex has captured medicine. And so this is a way of us, taking, empowering people to improve their health uh, and, you know, to give it to big pharma because they just dishonest, the despicable, um, dis- dishonest people who have no interest in prolonging health. And that's why no one wants to promote berberine because you can't get a patent for it. You can't make money. Um, yeah. So that's the story. And, and Betsy, I have an announcement as well. Sorry, before you Please. start. So I'm just very quickly going to share this screen. So yeah. for, for everyone here, this particular uh, diagram and its explanation in depth, I have recorded a video that will be available on Long Story Short video channel for FLCCC and an Odyssey within a week or so. So please look out for that and dig deeper to understand how Berberine actually helps. Wonderful. Well, we're going to talk about another one of yours that we have. And as a matter of fact, I think the first thing that, thank you, doctors. Yes, look at this. The first thing that I'm talking about is your new video that is, uh, long story short, episode 42, which is out, is the, um, the importance of magnesium and its potential in aiding in recovery from long COVID and vaccine injury. Now, magnesium is an essential mineral nutrient required for over 600 enzymatic actions in our body. Who knew that? I didn't know that. Sounds impressive. Long story short, always good medicine, always on our website, flccc.net forward slash Dr. Bean. Folks, you want to you wanna check that out. Dr. Bean is the best. Now then, 
We have also, speaking of Dr. Bean, you know, not only is he an incredible doctor and educator, but as many of you already know, he is a creative artist. Those wonderful creatures that he does and the diagrams, they're, they're wonderful. Well, and we are really excited to be showcasing some of his artwork on some new merchandise. The slogan, we love autophagy or autophagy, however you want to pronounce it. And we love Dr. Bean's artwork about autophagy or autophagy. Anyway, check out our little store, get some merch for those cool beans on your Valentine's list. And we thank you for supporting the FLCCC store. Look at that. Wonderful. I love this diagram. I remember when I I drew this, I was laughing while drawing it because it is a tiny cell sitting down like you know, and saying, give me food. And the, and the little board says, do not feed the cell. It's it's a beautiful <laughs> diagram. Wonderful. It's just wonderful. Only cool beans, of course, can wear something that cool. So that's, this is a very special gift for very special people. So we thank you, all of you who are going to rush out and get one of these. Anyway, uh, now then, we have another thing. You know, we have our next conference coming up. It is just around the corner. And we are very excited to be welcoming top doctors as speakers, including some from very far away. Uh, the UK, Dr. Asim Molhotra is going to be there. And in from Brazil, our very own Dr. Flavio Cadigiani. Please help support us in bringing these expert speakers to Texas. Your donation of 1500 plus whatever you can give will help with transportation and hotel costs to support their presentation at this lovely concert uh, conference. Rather, You can learn more about all the dates, the times, the talks, the talent that will be there at flccc.net forward slash conference. And we thank you so much for your support. And we hope to see you there. I'm going to be there. Can't wait to see you all. Now then, we also, you know, we thank you for your generosity. It's just endlessly astonishing to us and allows us to do what we do. And we have no shortage of things to do these days. Thank you for your support, for your encouragement, for helping spread these messages of health and healing and hope far and wide. Now then, there's a slide up there that you haven't seen before. We put them out in a slightly different order. So let I'm going to talk about, I'm going to jump ahead. We'll get to the nurses in a minute. Let's do the living will because how many of you have a living will? You know, this is, this is part of our education too. Have you looked at it lately? If you have one, with all that we have been through with COVID, it comes to mind that this is something that's very important to have just in case you get sick or need and need someone to know exactly what you'd like to have happen if you are unable to talk about it or on a ventilator or unconscious from some kind of an accident. You know, a living will is your plan for medical care to be shared with the right people. Now, here, Nicole Landers from Truth for Health Foundation offers five tips. You can learn more on their website at truthforhealth.org. 
truthforhealth.org. And of course, this is recorded. You can come back and look at the tips here, but go to truthforhealth.org and get the whole story. You really, really, really want to have a living will. That's important. Now, before we wrap up, let's go back and bring the nurses in. Yes, there we are. You know, these wonderful people, uh, they are a team. They volunteer their time to be here with you folks to answer your questions online because there's no way we're ever going to get them all on the on air with the doctors. And so Christina, our CRNA, and her team of RNs, Scott, Pamela, Stephanie, Samantha, what a good looking and talented and bright group they are. Welcome. Thank you so much. And how did we do tonight? Did you have a lot of questions? We had tons of questions and our, when our protocol is out, we'll have more answers to share with our followers, but I want to make the recommendation that people look online to kind of get themselves informed about berberine and side effects and drug interactions. And I know we can't trust everything on the internet, but something as simple as WebMD has this kind of basic information. So we had lots of questions about um, interactions and side effects. And can you take it with these? Um, supplements and drugs. So just go check it out and see. All right. Yeah. Dr. Merrick recommended last week, how to starve cancer. There's a lot of information there in there about berberine. I think she did a nice job going into some details. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're terrific. Um, You're a blessing to all of us and to all of our viewers. And we will, uh, let's see, I think I've gotten to everything here. Just, uh, yeah, we did the living will. We thank you for your wonderful gifts that really make it possible for us to all do what we do. And uh, that's try to educate and help help you all be more healthy than you are tonight. Be more healthy tomorrow by learning about how to take charge of your health, which is good. And find the right doctors too, so that you can get people who will have a good conversation with you anyway, as well as have knowledge. Now, we're going to wrap up tonight with something else. It's another way to take control of your health, and that is to get off the acid-blocking drugs by using more natural, healthful apple cider vinegar and a little patience. Take a look, and we will see you here next Wednesday. <laughs>